I want to read, though, this length of this passage, and I want to make some correlation to what we're going to be discussing over the next few minutes. I want to begin by reading verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 14. Before I begin reading that, let it be known that Joel prophesied in Joel chapter 2, and it was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, that God's Spirit was going to be poured upon all His children, both men and women, that they would be able to prophesy and be able to have various kinds of gifts. And that's exactly what happened. Men and women prophesied. They spoke out things of God's Word. The thing is, after a period of time, the church at Corinth began to have its service in a state of chaos. Because you had all these individuals prophesying. It's kind of hard to listen, for me, more than one person at one time. I personally have difficulty speaking to you on the phone. And Julie saying, something about it. I just felt talented like that. I suppose it's that way for many, even when it comes to worshiping our God. I can only imagine what the service was like in the first century at the church at Corinth, enough so that the Apostle Paul had to deal with the matter and says, now listen, if there's going to be two or three of you speaking at one time, and I'm now paraphrasing from verse 26 following, then go ahead, but let one speak and then the other. And in fact, if you're, if you're speaking and then someone else has something to say, you go ahead and you sit down so that the next person can speak. And as far as you women, when the churches come together, be silent. You know what the law says. And then he goes on and sandwiches everything with regard to the situation. And I want to look at this, this overall from verse 26 to verse 40. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together and he deals with the situation, he says, now, let all things be done for edification. He goes on discussing this, and then he says in verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And he finishes the entire area of the subject matter that he's dealing with with regard to this meeting when the church comes together and says, let all things be done decently and in order. So when it comes to us and our situation today, we want everything to be decent in order, and I believe for the most part it is. The thing is, there's always going to be things that arise where there's going to be a group on this side that comes to a situation, a group on this side, from their vantage points. And I believe the sensitive issue among us is about the noise. It goes on. It's a natural part. One of the first things... I'm going to blank this for now. One of the first things when, when I came here, the elders told me in our very first meeting, it was not that it, they were telling it to me, but just amongst each other, how wonderful to hear the sounds of young infants. It's very encouraging. There's like life in that. Now, that said with those wonderful, beautiful sounds and those pretty faces looking out at you, making faces, and you're kind of getting caught up in that, is the flip side. Those wonderful and beautiful sounds are also sounds that keep other brethren from hearing. And it's difficult for some when hearing is a premium. Some of us have very good hearing and so it's easy for us to kind of delineate and still focus. For others, it's a distraction. And that's just part of it. It's who we are. We're different in that way. Some of us can do it. Others cannot. 
And so when we're coming to a very sensitive matter like this, I want us to consider those who cannot hear. Some literally, as a result of not being able to hear, cannot concentrate. And when we are coming together, it is to worship our God. That's why we're here. To worship Him. To magnify His name. And it's hard to do that for some because they're not able to concentrate because of the noise. On the other hand, those with children, and I'm still in that group. Still have Carrie Lynn. Don't know when she's going to burst out at one point or another. We want our children to learn how to be quiet so that we can focus on worshiping the Lord. We want our brothers and sisters in Christ who don't have children, who don't have the issue of keeping them quiet, to have a wonderful reverential service to the Lord. I believe every parent who has little children desires that. But we still have little children, and we want them to be quiet, and we can't, because of what we're wanting to do, always want to get up and down every single time when they open their mouth. Mitch Davis, I remember when Malia was young, as soon as Malia thought she was going to open her mouth, I was up going out the door. That was me. Don't think it, Malia. <laughs> My mind said, Julie was more patient. The thing is, as parents, we have children that even at months of age, they learn how to manipulate. They actually like, depending on what goes on behind those doors, they like going out. They will cry so that mom or dad will take them out, and then it's like, oh yeah, I got what I want. And moms and dads, we're not, I mean, we have some brains too, and we realize our children are doing that to us, and we're in a quandary. What do we do? Well, from someone who has a mind of his own, I said, make them so they don't want to go out. <laughs> That's what I think. But not everyone thinks like Mitch. We all have our ways in which we want to raise our children to honor God, to glorify Him. We want to raise Him. Some of us are quicker to raising the hand and spanking. Some of us don't want to. And we have differences and debates over on that as well. But the bottom line is we all desire to worship God. And those of children, I think, are in a very difficult situation. Because we all, I mean, uh, those of us who are older, we've gone through it. We know what it's like. It's a sensitive matter. How do we handle this? Well, we just sang that song, and I, I, met, I marked it from number 219. I want you to look at those words again in our songbook. We sang this. Now, are we going to believe what we just sang and have those words have meaning in how we handle a situation like this this morning when, it deal, when we deal with noise every single service? How sweet, how heavenly is the sight when those that love the Lord in one another's peace delight. And so fulfill the word. That's what Paul is saying. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And so when each can feel his brother's sigh. Mom or dad is, what do I do? I, I mean, I want to worship God and yet my son or my daughter and take it out and this is a burden for them. When we can feel each other's side and with him bear a part, when sorrow flows from eye to eye and joy from heart to heart, that's how we can apply this. He goes on to say, when free from envy, scorn, pride, or any other thing that you can fill in the blank, our wishes all above. Each can his brother's failings hide and show a brother's love. 
And we can go on and look at this song and see what it's like when we have one of other sensitive matters among brethren deal with. And so when it comes to the worship service, how do we handle the situation? And I believe the answer is very easy in word. Look at how we answer it. If we apply the great commandment, which is what that song was dealing with, how sweet, how heavenly, then what we're realizing is when we come together, our worship is not about me. What I mean, naturally, it affects me. But it's about my God. It's easy to be self-centered and say, well, I'm not getting anything out of this. We've heard sermons, right? And, and the rhetorical, uh, well, not even rhetorical, the statement that many preachers will make is, you get what you put into it. You put nothing into it, you get nothing out of it. But naturally, we're affected. And so when we think about this, if our worship is not about me, but about God, our worship to God, and we combine that with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the second that you love your neighbor, then I'm going to be considerate of their well-being. Now, what does that mean specifically? Well, it means that both sides will come together and think of each other. That means that those who cannot hear will be very patient, long-suffering, and understanding of mom and dad and what they're going through. I believe that's very important. Those who are mature will do this. Those who are mature. Anyone think them immature? If we all think we're mature, then I believe this is the mature response. We're going to be patient. We're going to be understanding. It's easy for me to say, well, you all just take that kid out and keep him quiet. It's easy to say that. But the mature will be patient and understanding. Kind of like a husband with patience and understanding his wife. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Kind of like a wife with her husband. In various other relationships, we're going to have understanding, peace. But here's the flip side. Parents with our children who are young, we're going to do the same thing that those who are mature, if we're going to be mature on our end, and go, there are brethren that cannot hear. There are brethren that cannot concentrate whatsoever when my little child, as sweet or as horrific the sound may be <laughs> to my personal ears, it's hard for them to concentrate. How can I help them? How can I, in this inconvenient situation, be a blessing to the rest of the congregation in this auditorium? I believe that's a very important way of looking at things. When we look at it from how can I look at someone else, not me, but someone else. When I can fulfill Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, that I esteem others higher than myself, then I look out not only for my interest, but their interest. That's how you answer the question. So did we solve it technically on case by case by case? But principally and practically, we have the answer. So I believe the answer is parents that have children. Think of those that, that are here in this room wanting to worship God. I'll admit, this is me. Just as surely as Julie has difficulty talking to me while I'm on the phone talking to any of you or anyone else, I'm that way when it comes to worshiping God. I cannot. If Carolyn sips on her cup, it affects me. I don't want her sipping on her cup. And I'm going, but I don't want her screaming. And so what do you do? And, and so you deal with that. And if it was me, and, and I'm not preaching, I guarantee you, 
Because I'm not Julie, I'm taking my children up first thing. Because I know how you are. Because I'm that way. For, for Many of you have a difficult time concentrating. I'm that way. So I want you to think about these things. When we come to worship our God, those with children, for the sake, take out your children. Be thoughtful of others. For those that don't have children, know that they, would, they don't want to do this every five seconds. And so they try to wait as long as they can. Maybe my son or my daughter will quiet down right now. To realize as sensitive as that this is, the request is to be mindful of others. And then one side request and I'll be done. When you go to the, the nursery, sometimes there are parents that have just gotten their children who have been crying asleep, their babies. And then here comes mommy or daddy. I don't know if dads are even allowed here. I'm not sure. Um, I'm just going to say moms. If mom's going to that nursery... With a crying child, what do you suppose are going to happen to children who have just gone to sleep? So when we're thoughtful of others, we can answer this. We've got all kinds of rooms. And if we need Dennis or Dale or Bill or whoever to put more speakers in various other rooms so that you can still hear the sermon or the worship service, we'll put them in those rooms. I'm sure the elders will easily okay that so that we can all worship our God as best as we're able under these situations. Something to think about.